0: Well, good morning. Um, I want to share with us this morning, you know, over the last few weeks, we've been talking about um, navigating faith, navigating life. Uh, Sarah spoke last week about, uh, at times, uncertainty that we feel in faith, but walking by faith. And I spoke a couple of weeks ago about... um, God's word being a light to our feet and a lamp to our path. And we were talking about navigating dark times. So we've been talking about this idea of navigation and faith and navigating life. And today I wanted to explore a little bit um, around the concept of how uh, time, I want to explore the idea and concepts of time and um, navigating life as it relates to time. So my message to title today is A Time for Everything. And I'm hoping today, uh, you know, we're going to talk about different kinds of time and significance of time and how we can, we can remember things by time. And sometimes, um, you know, Sarah even shared this morning during worship that there was a time in which she met with the Lord, the Lord met with her and set her free from anger and rage and violence. There was a time that something happened in her life. And I believe that God marks times and God marks seasons and God marks things with time. And uh, so today we're going to explore a little bit of that. Learning about times and seasons in our lives, recognizing how God's timing works in us. How do we embrace seasons of time? How do we discern the Holy Spirit's timing? How do we walk in wisdom? How do we redeem time? One of the things I like about reading the Bible is that a lot of the metaphors and and things that you can see in the Bible have an agricultural rhythm to them. And I did not grow up with any sort of agricultural rhythm in my life. Uh, It was a little bit like if you needed something, you'd go to the grocery store. I didn't realize till later in life that it's like, oh, well, this is avocados are not in season right now, but they are in season. And we've gotten so used to global supply chains and global availability of everything that it's like, if it's not available in North America, they'll grow it in South America and we'll get it shipped here. We can have whatever we want year round. We're used to kind of an instantaneous culture of this is how it works. And I love when I read the stories of Jesus and I read the stories in the Bible, we get a different perspective of time. We get different rhythms of time. And they're helpful. They're so helpful. One thing I was thinking about timing timing can be everything. Earlier this week, um, we were talking and we were reflecting. Um, We had a time as staff here on church to um, have a a nice meal with Tom this week. From a timing perspective, Tom's season as being on staff here at the church is coming to an end. And it was a, a time where we all sat around and told stories and honored Tom and laughed with Tom. And so we were telling all sorts of old stories and um, reflecting back. And that can be joyful and it can be hard and it can be sad and it can be all of the emotions. And so we're telling all sorts of stories and um, started telling a story about Sarah and I years ago and how we met and how my brother um, asked Sarah out on a date well before I ever started dating her. It was January, and he was going to graduate from high school. Uh, And my brother, for those of you who didn't know, his his name's Jay. He he passed away about 11 years ago, and he had Down syndrome. And uh, we were only a year apart. We're very close in age. Um, But he decided in January that for his May senior banquet, he needed to ask Sarah out. This is before we were dating, to, to go on this date with him. Because he's like five months. I gotta like lock this date down. I really wanted to make sure that Sarah was available five or six months uh, ahead of time. And unfortunately for Jane, we started dating, or Jay, uh, we started dating in April, um, one month ahead of time. But Sarah still kept her date with Jay. And uh, he wanted to make sure I was nowhere around when they went out on that date. It was like, I couldn't be, I couldn't be the chauffeur. I couldn't be anywhere. Uh, he even tried to propose to her that night. He's like, well, he might, my brother might be dating her, but I'm going to propose to her or I'm going to announce it. Anyway, it was, it's uh, fun to reflect back on stories. Timing is everything, right? So embracing seasons of life, embracing time, I I really love this passage in Ecclesiastes 3, and unfortunately, it seems like we only read this passage at funerals. Seems like we pull this passage out, Um, but I've been, I want to just, I just want to read it, and I want to take time to read through it, and I want us to think about how important times are in life, and seasons are in life, and how important it is that In reality, you you shouldn't be able to get avocados year round. There's times and seasons for things. So Ecclesiastes 3 says this. For everything, there is a season, a time for every activity under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to harvest, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build up, time to cry and a time to laugh, time to grieve and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace and a time to turn away, a time to search and a time to quit searching, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be quiet and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. What do people really get for all their hard work? I've seen the burden God has placed on us all, yet God has made everything beautiful for its own time. He has planted eternity in the human heart, but even so people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. Another passage concludes that section by saying, the Lord makes things beautiful in his time, or makes all things beautiful in his time. I love that, that those rhythms and those things, and those things about life, God's not... Out, out of the picture in those things. I think at times we, we think we see God in the birth and we're like, I don't see you, God, in the death. We see God in the answers. We don't see God in the waiting. God's not always chronological in how we do things. He doesn't always have that five-year plan that, that gets laid out. But we've got these seasons of life from which God can bring and demonstrate beauty. God makes all things beautiful in his time. I reflected at times and talked with others, you know, in my, in my early 20s, in my mid 20s, so my, many of my friends and peers, it was all about uh, lots going to lots of weddings. It's like, oh man, I got to rent another tuxedo. Um, and in your 20s, you should, you're like, you should probably buy a tuxedo in your 20s and then get rid of it in your 30s. Uh, Cause then it's all about kids. All of a sudden it seems like kids are happening and then you're going, it's like another baby shower, just teasing. Babies are wonderful. Right. And then, and then uh, my late thirties. And as I've gone into my forties, I'm not in my fifties yet. I don't know what happens. And, um, you know, one of the things that I've experienced more is there's been more loss in my forties. I think I've been to more funerals than I've been to weddings, right? Seasons of life. How do we navigate them? How do we walk through them? In the Bible and in the New Testament, there are different ways of marking time. We have the word time. We have one word for time. And I think as Christians, we've learned to start using other words. Like You know you're around a Christian when they talk about seasons, Like this season of my life, that season of my life. And it's like, man, when you're around Christians for a little while, you realize they talk about seasons a lot. Why do they talk about seasons? It's a different way of marking time, right? In the Greek, in the New Testament, there were two words for time. There's a word chronos, um, which You guys can hear where the word chronology comes from, or uh, that idea of marking time, a set amount of time, hours, days, months, years, this idea of chronos. And there's another word uh, called kairos, uh, uh, K-A-I-R-O-S. And that's more about seasons or opportunities or the right time. It's used in different ways. In the New Testament, kairos is used 86 times. Chronos is used 54 times. So it's not always, um, you're not always reading the same word, you're reading actually a different Greek word. But this kairos refers to an opportune time, an appointed time, a a right time for something, a season. It's like, this is the right time for that. It's like, yeah, this is the right time. It should have been the right time for the Raiders to go to the Super Bowl, but it doesn't seem like it's been the right time for like 20 years. It's almost been the right time. Jesus illustrates this idea of time. uh, And there's, there's a passage in Mark, the way Mark records in Mark one, verse 14, it's talking about Jesus. It says this in verse 14, later on, after John was arrested, Jesus went into Galilee where he preached God's good news. The time promised by God has come at last. He announced the kingdom of God is near, repent of your sins and believe the good news. This word here that Mark uses is, it's the kairos, it's the season, it's the right time uh, that's been promised. It wasn't calculated, it wasn't chronological, it was the right time, it was the right season, it was the kairos in which God's promised season had come at last. This kairos thing had come at last, the kingdom had come at last. I think it's, it's at times we've gotten good at marking the, cr- the chronology of things. We mark our birthdays, we mark dates, we mark anniversaries, we mark all of these different things. But Cairo seems to be a little bit more of a, how do you mark seasons of life? How do you mark these, these times? How do you mark this time in which, man, God did this. I went through a season of mourning. I went through a season of rejoicing. I, I went through a time of, of dancing timing. I remember talking with, with Ben and Rachel Brooks, um, and they, they're a part of our community, but they live in Southeast Asia and they had a timing issue. They had, they were living in Southeast Asia and they were there on visas and those visas required that they could had to come in and out of the country once a year or something like that. And they really wanted a long-term visa. It was like, Someday, someday we'll get a long-term visa. It's expensive. We want a 10-year visa. It's expensive. It's a hassle. It's hard. Someday, someday, someday. Well, all of a sudden that someday came when Ben tried to get back in the country on their visa and they were like, you got 90 days and you're going to be out. And all of a sudden their planning of like, well, someday was the right season or right time to get this visa. Now all of a sudden became, we better get it right now. And it wasn't something. And, and, and when they look back now in hindsight, it was really great that that happened. It forced them to get their visa in advance and uh, get that in place. And the Lord provided miraculously in about a six month period to get all that in place. Uh, because then we started hearing and they got all that in place pre COVID. And then COVID hit and all these changes started happening and they started saying they're gonna change the visa practice. They weren't accepting these visas anymore. And it was like, all of a sudden, something that they needed to do at some point in time got forced upon them. They had to react. They had to react in that time. They got that visa in place and they were able to stay. And it's been amazing to see how something that became a hassle in the short term was really hard for them when it happened, when it came upon them. But it was the Kairos time for them to get this visa done. It was the Kairos time to get it done. And they had no idea. They couldn't project or predict in the future what was going to be happening. But the Lord led them to be able to get that. Kairos times are not always what we plan. Jesus uh, in math, in John 4, you guys are familiar with the story of of him meeting the, the Samaritan woman at the well. He says at the end, the disciples come back to him after this amazing encounter. And he said, you all say it's four months into the harvest. But I say, look up, look up. The harvest is right in front of you. It's right now. It's right now. Kairos timing. The Lord has Kairos timing in our lives for us. Things that he wants to do and loves to do. There's Kairos timing. There's a quote Just to give you uh, another perspective or another picture on Kairos, Madeline Langle wrote a book called Circle of Quiet, and she describes Kairos. And I'm just going to give you two quotes of hers describing this concept or this idea of Kairos. It's that time which breaks through Kronos with a shock of joy, that time we do not recognize while we are experiencing it, but only afterwards. Because Kairos has nothing to do with chronological time. In Kairos, we're completely unself conscious and yet paradoxically far more real than we can ever be when we're constantly checking our watches for chronological time. And then she says this the saint, this is Kairos, it's the saint in contemplation, lost to self and the mind of God is in Kairos. The artist at work is in Kairos. The child at play, totally thrown outside of herself in the game, be it building a sandcastle or making a daisy chain, is in Kairos. In Kairos, we become what we're called to be as human beings, co-creators with God, touching on the wonder of creation. I love that. I love those things that happen in us and with us that are outside of our chronological time. So timing, timing, The second, embracing the different seasons of time, embracing what the Lord's doing, recognizing Kairos' timing, Kronos' timing, and the differences. I want us to look at some examples of Jesus in the New Testament where timing is not what it seems. And I like these interchanges. The first one we're going to look at is in John 2. So Jesus is with his disciples and his family, they're at a wedding. And in John 2, verse 1, it says this. The next day, there was a wedding celebration in the village of Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus' disciples were also invited to the celebration. The wine supply ran out during the festivities, so Jesus' mother told him they have no more wine. Dear woman, that's not our problem, Jesus replied. My time has not yet come. That word kairos, my kairos has not yet come. But his mother told the servants, do whatever he tells you. It's interesting. She's kind of like, you know, I don't really care, Jesus. If you don't think your time's come, we're out of wine. What are you going to do about it? I love that. I love that interchange. I love that. um, It messes with all of our theology, doesn't it? Yeah. And I'm not going to try to resolve that today. I love that. You know what, though? There would have been a lot of shame that came on that house that they ran out of wine. This was a seven day party. This was a seven day celebration and they're out. I love that Mary's mom is like, Jesus, can you do something? How can we cover the shame of running out of wine? And Jesus, like a good son, obeys his mom. But I love that idea that Jesus is wrestling with this idea. My time has not yet come. My kairos has not yet come. It's not It's not time for me to be doing these kinds of things. Second story. See, I'm not going to resolve that. Second story, John 7. Jesus is with family, with brothers. And I like this interchange too. Do you guys, I love how real these stories are. Because you could probably experience this with your own friends or family. So John chapter seven, verse one, after this must've been after chapter six, Jesus traveled around Galilee. So Galilee's in the North. Um, Galilee's kind of the, the, the outback of the region. It says he wanted to stay out of Judea. That's where Jerusalem is as well, where the Jewish leaders were plotting his death. That makes sense. But soon it was time for the Jewish festival of shelters. And Jesus's brother said to him, so his brother's idea, leave here and go to Judea where your followers can see your miracles. You can't become famous if you hide like this. If you can do such wonderful things, show yourself to the world. For even his brothers didn't believe in him. (laughs) Like, can you see the big, they're like, hey, big shot. If you're such a big shot, why don't you go down to the real place? we have that, right? If you're, if you're uh, such a big shot musician living in Sandy, Utah, why don't you go to Nashville? Why don't you go to Nashville and show them what you got? That's where you got to go to show them what you got. So Jesus says this now, uh, next verse. Oh, that's, oh yeah, there we're there. Here, You're there. Jesus replied, now is not the right time for me to go. Kairos, that time word is again is Kairos, not the right time, opportune time, not the right season for me to go, but you can go anytime. The world can't hate you, but it does hate me because I accuse it of doing evil. You go on. I'm not going to this festival because my time has not yet come. It gets more comical. After saying these things, Jesus remained in Galilee but after his brothers left for the festival, Jesus also went, though secretly staying out of public view. Man, what is that? another passage I want to unpack with the Lord when I'm with him? It's kind of confusing. But he's, he's telling his brothers, now is not the time for me to ride triumphantly into Jerusalem, for me to have trumpets and make a big parade of this. It's not my time. Now is not the right time. That doesn't make sense. This is Jesus the son of God come to take away the sins of the world. What do you, what do you mean? Are you not qualified? You're not ready. You're not practiced up. You got a master's. What, 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 what's the deal? Why aren't you ready to go?
1: David Guzik says this,
0: something may be in God's will, but not yet in his timing. I like that. I like that. You know, we, we read the stories about Jesus going and turning over the tables and cleansing the temple. And in most records of that, it happens in the, in the week leading up to his crucifixion happens Sunday or Monday, right around there, leading up to good Friday when he's crucified. This wasn't the first time Jesus saw it. It wasn't Jesus had been going to Jerusalem since he was He could remember, remember the story of him going when he's 12 or 13 and, and, and uh, getting lost and his parents lost him and started heading back to town. Oh, where's Joseph? Where's Jesus? Oh, we better go back and get him. Uh, He had been as long as he could remember going to Jerusalem and seeing these tables and seeing these things. Why did he wait to flip them over? Why then? I was talking with Sarah earlier this week, and she was talking about a commentator suggesting that. He might've been provoking. It's like at that point in time, he's like, Hey, I'm going down. They're going to crucify me. I'm going to, I'm going to do, I'm going to go all in. Was this Jesus all in poker move for, for cleansing the temple. Don't, this is such bad theology. I'm sorry. Don't, don't, don't use that metaphor, but you get the idea. Like the truth and the reality of the practices in the temple the, the the money changers, the buying and the selling, the, the the court that they were occupying, the court of the Gentiles, that was wrong all along. Why did he wait until Akira's time to do that, to turn it over? I love in in seeing the life of Jesus and the rhythms of Jesus and what he's doing, he's not, he's not reacting all the time to his family's demands. His friends' demands, his disciples' demands. In Acts 1, his disciples, before he ascends to heaven, his disciples say, is now the time you're going to do this? And he uses that Kairos word again, and he's like, it's not for you to know the the time and the season which I'm going to do this. It's, It's not for you to know. I love that this rhythm in which Jesus moved and worked and ministered was contrary to what you and I would do. His disciples trying to force his hand, his, his, his family trying to say, well, just go to Judea, get public, go big with this. Like, if you really are a big shot, then go do your big shot stuff. What does he do? He goes to the festival in John 7. It goes on to say that he, he goes there secretly, secretly. And about midweek, he then goes to the temple and starts teaching. He goes on a different rhythm. He goes on a different timing. His, his timing is Cairo's timing is different. Timing is so important. I know I was uh, in business. I was. Um, I worked in software product launches. And I've had successful software product launches and unsuccessful product launches. Um, you, one of my unsuccessful ones is we were um, launching a new project in Germany. And I still remember the sponsor of the product uh, in Germany emailing us, telling us that it was catastrophic failure, (laughs) catastrophic. I was like, man, he uses such big, bold words to tell us what screw-ups we were. We launched things prematurely. They weren't ready. They weren't translated correctly. That was part of the catastrophic result of this launch. I love that the Lord's timing and the Lord's rhythms of what the, the Kairos timing of the Lord is not always ours. I had, I've had successful product launches where no one was happy uh, because it was too slow and it took too long to figure everything out. And, but you had to bring all the pieces together to get this thing to launch correctly. And then when it did, it was really quiet. Everybody was happy and everybody was, but it was quiet. The timing that we see in Jesus is amazing. Not sometimes walking by things, walking by those things in the temple. And I'll deal with that someday. It's on my list. I'll deal with that. I'll deal with that. As parents, um, I remember um, one of the phrases I love from Corky is he, he would always say this. As a parent, it's good to lay in the weeds and watch for an opportune moment in parenting. And I always think of like this, this idea of, you you know, with our kids, we can watch behaviors. We can watch actions. We can, we can observe them and they think that we don't know, but we really do. We see it all. Um, But what's the opportune moment to step in and say, Lord, give me an open window to talk to my kid about X, Y, Z. We don't, I, we don't need a a moment all the time. Like we, we can have a long list of things that we could just write our kids about all the time. Right. (laughs) It's like, that's not how the Lord works with us. The Lord says in an opportune moment, I'm going to deal with this in an opportune moment. The Lord's going to deal with my anger and rage and violence because the Lord wants to set me free from that. It's not good for me. It's not good for anyone else. The Lord is looking for those opportunities to bring forgiveness and healing and repentance. And as parents, how do we parent? We ask the Lord, Lord, give us opportunities. Not, we don't want to be the police with our children. Always writing citations. No, because what happens when they're 20, we're not around to write citations for them anymore. No, we want We want that to become internalized in them. We want it their hearts, we want it their lives. So how do we, as parents do sneak attacks with them? How do we, how do we ask the Lord for those opportune times to speak into their lives? Okay, two more things, and then we'll wrap up here. So Paul, both in Ephesians and in Colossians, talks about, um, he uses the word kairos, this time. And he combines it with being careful with wisdom. He combines it with wisdom and how we live. So I want to read in Ephesians 5, verse 15. And he's talking about us being children of light and us coming into light. And he says this so be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but live like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Leave leave that up, Caleb, for a minute. That word right there, make the most of every opportunity. It's make the most of every kairos. Make the most of every season. Make the most of every opportunity. Every time that you've got, make the most of it. The King James translates it um, a little bit differently in the original Greek. It says, redeem the time. Redeem the time for the days are evil. Redeem means to buy back. It means to literally go to a market and buy something and purchase it back. Redeem it. How do we take our opportunities of time and how do we redeem them? I was reading one commentator who talked about this idea in our lives that we may actually have lost time in our lives, lost opportunity. Maybe you, when you think back and you think about things What, what has been lost? What has been lost in your life that the Lord wants to buy back? The Lord wants to redeem. It's not just making most of the opportunities moving forward, but what's been lost that needs to be redeemed, redeeming time in our lives. Make the most, you know, oftentimes this scripture gets used for better time management like, this is a good example of like, well, the Lord really wants you to be a good time manager, a good chronos manager. Like, how do you, you know, make the most of every opportunity? Like, how can you squeeze the most in every day? I love that. It's not that word. It's not chronos. It's not becoming better at that. It's becoming aware of how do I redeem every opportunity? How do I listen to the Holy Spirit? What is the Holy Spirit saying? What is the Kairos time? What is the Kairos season? How do I respond and react in that? The wisdom that comes with that. There's wisdom in understanding the times. Colossians, the next passage, Paul repeats this similar idea in Colossians 4, verses 5 and 6. He says this, live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. It's the same phrase in there, redeem the time, redeem the kairos, make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you'll have the right response for everyone. One commentator says this, that Barclay actually translates this verse six this way and says, let your speech always be with gracious charm, seasoned with salt of wit so that you will know the right answer to give in every case. I love that. Sometimes I think we think that, man, everything we have to say is just like pound people with truth. And if they can't handle it, then you're not speaking it plainly enough. I love that there's this seasoning with grace, seasoning with salt what we say. Again, Paul's saying, make the most of every opportunity, redeem the time, redeem what's been lost. Psalm 90 verse 12 says this, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Paul's talking about wisdom and opportunity, wisdom and time. This is the Psalm of Moses. Moses is saying, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Redeeming the time, buying back the time, ransoming the time. I want to bring in two more verses and then we'll close here. In Hebrews 11, verse 11, this is where we're talking about people who are commended for their faith. This verse is commending Sarah for her faith. And the word kairos is used in this verse. And I'd like to read it. It says this, it was by faith that even Sarah was able to have a child, though she was barren and too old. She believed that God would keep his promise. Let's just leave that up for a minute. In the the Greek, the way this reads is that this idea that she was barren and was too old was that she missed her kairos. She missed her opportune time. The opportune time had passed. The opportune time had passed her by. I think at times, I I love this passage. I love that, that she's in this faith list because it's like she believes that God can keep God's promises to her even after the opportune time, even when the opportune time has passed. Have you ever felt that? In your life, how many regrets do we have of like, man, I missed it. I missed that opportune time. I missed that opportune time in my life. I missed that opportune time in my relationships. We missed this opportune time. I love that one of the stories of faith that we have is that God came in and redeemed an opportunity that was lost. The opportune time that was gone. God comes in. And keeps his promise to Sarah and to Abraham. How about you? What are, what are things that the Lord wants to redeem? Man, I've seen redemption in my life and in small ways and in big ways. I've seen it in relationships. I've seen it when it seems like everything has died in the past. And then all of a sudden, month after month, the Lord just brings it back and brings it back, and brings it back. In Joel, you might be familiar with the prophecy in Joel 2, verse 25. It says, I will repay you for the years the locust has eaten. He's talking to his people. I'm going to repay. Another translation will say, I'm going to restore. But what I love is that, yes, the locust ate all of these crops, ate all of these things, ate all of the abundance. But what are the words there? I will repay you for the years that have been eaten this idea of time the Lord is going to be redeeming that time in our lives. What are the years that we've spent? Have you spent years in fear? Have you spent years in shame? Have you spent years in anger? Have you spent years in strife and in, in broken relationships? What have, what has lasted for years? And the Lord says he wants to come and wants to restore. Think about, we tell the story about Job as a way of comforting ourselves when we're going through hard times. But when we think about the end of the story of Job, the Lord restores to Job way more than Job had before. The Lord restores, the Lord restores. And I believe as I was leading up this this Sunday to speak, I felt the Lord wanted us to talk about time and time being Something that we learn to embrace the seasons of time. We learn timing from the direction of the Holy Spirit. What's the Kairos time for things? That we learn wisdom and how we spend our time. That we learn that the Lord wants to redeem time. And I woke up a couple of days ago and I felt like the Lord was saying, Today, I also want to lighten people's loads. Today is a Kairos time for us. If you've come with loads today, if you've come with backpacks of things, if you've come with anger, rage, and violence, I hope when you leave today, this was a Kairos time for you to to drop it. Most of these times of Kairos that happen in our lives with the Lord, these seasons that happen with us, they don't happen in this room. They don't happen at a service. They happen in walking with the Lord day by day. They walk, they happen as we're sitting down and praying with one another. And someone says, man, I remember for us in our young years, we sat down and we were worried about this and this and this and this and we're praying with somebody. And they said, you know, what about this? And all of a sudden the fog cleared and we could see. And it was like, yes, this is a Kairos time for this. Not all this. The Lord wants to speak and give, give clarity about the seasons and the Kairos times that we're in. Two weeks ago, I was receiving personal prayer ministry for me. And I realized that was a Kairos time for me to be reminded of things that I needed to drop. One of the things I prayed through was, I have to perform to be loved. Now, theologically, that's, I know that's not right right? You all in this room know, theologically, that's wrong. But it doesn't matter how much up here I know it. In my heart, that's how I live. And so I prayed and I said, Lord, that's not the truth. I don't need to be performed to be loved. You love me. And You know what? I left that time of prayer lighter. The Lord lightened my load that day. The Lord changed me that day. I had a kairos moment that Moment where I was transformed. Romans 12 says, We're transformed by the renewing of our minds, right? We're transformed. Our walk with Jesus is about transformation from our old self to our new self, our true identity, who God's made us to be. And there's Kairos times for us to drop stuff to lighten our load. I love that we sang that desert song that in every season, you are still God in every time, in every season, you are God. And I'm going to worship you. So I want to close this morning and I want to ask us to just take a minute and ask the Lord, Lord, what is it that you might want to lighten? What is it that you want me to leave here today? I love that how Sarah led us earlier. We didn't plan that. She led us in that earlier. What are negative emotions or things that are dominating your life that the Lord wants you to get rid of? It's a Kairos time. It's a Kairos time. So Lord, we just come to you this
1: morning. And we thank you.
0: That you exist outside of our time and space. You exist outside of our chronology. And you come. And you bring change in us and you meet with us and you do timeless things in us. And I just ask this morning, Lord, we come Holy Spirit and we just wait on you. We say, what is, what is it that you want us to respond to today? For some of us it, you may not have ever given your life to Jesus and said, I need you, Jesus, to forgive me of my sins I want you to be my savior. I want to walk in a relationship with you, Jesus. Now is your Kairos time to do that. The Lord has come to him. Now is your day of salvation. Now is the time for your salvation, your Kairos time to say, I trust in you, Jesus. I want to follow you. Maybe now is your time for forgiveness. You're holding unforgiveness in your heart, and the Lord just wants you to release it and forgive and forgive and forgive. Lord, Holy Spirit, speak to each one of us. How do you want to lighten and transform our lives today? What is your Kairos time in us? What have you been waiting for us to just ask, and you want to set us free and give us new life and bring us transformation? Now is our time, Lord.
1: Now is our time. Lord, we come to you like Sarah's who their opportune time had passed. The opportunity seems dead. It's... In the past, it can't be brought back. But you can redeem the time. You can redeem the
0: time. So we bring you, Lord, the things that we've lost, the things that have died, the things that are in the past.
1: And we ask that you would redeem them. Redeem the time. Restore what the locusts have eaten. Restore the relationships. Set us free from the fear. Lord, you you restore. Lord, we honor you and we thank you that you make all things beautiful. You make all things beautiful and it's time. We say, Lord, we wanna, like Jesus,
0: we wanna understand the times in which we live. We wanna understand the times and how we walk and respond to you in our lives and the decisions we make and our relationships and how we parent how we work?
1: Or would you give us wisdom? Lord, well, thank you that we can be in step with you.
0: In Jesus' name,
1: amen. 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 amen.